Many Americans, I might even say most of us, start the morning with a steaming cup of coffee. That wonderfully dark, warm beverage helps to kickstart your day and put a little bounce in your step. But if you're like me, you probably haven't put a whole lot of thought into where it comes from or even how it's grown. That's why writer and climber Micah Burhart traveled more than 8,000 miles to discover the story. I went to Ethiopia originally for coffee. I was there as a journalist to try to find a rare coffee. It's about $150 a pound on the U.S. market. Try to find the genetic roots of it in Ethiopia. We didn't find the coffee, but I ended up staying there and climbing, writing a book, Vertical Ethiopia, about doing first ascents and really about how to use rock climbing to tell a different story about Ethiopia that was not drought, poverty, and famine. Mike and I first met as we discussed her earliest journeys through Eastern Africa. Her book, Vertical Ethiopia, details her adventures while climbing some of the very first routes on the cliffs of Geralta in a region called Tigray. And during her travels while climbing, she discovered that in addition to its rich and complex flavors, coffee also offers a deep look into the history of Ethiopia and its people. And when you write about bringing something like climbing into Ethiopia, something that is not there, and then you say, well, what if I write about the ultimate there? What is the thing that is in Ethiopia? Coffee is 50% of the GDP in Ethiopia. It is one of the major economic engines. It's the birthplace of coffee. It is home to 10,000 varietals of coffee. So for me, to come back and to tell the stories behind coffee, that was just this, this next authentic expression of what is Ethiopia. Well, in some ways, you can tell the story of Ethiopia through coffee. I had the pleasure of traveling through Africa with Micah as she was finishing up the last few chapters of her latest book. And as we reconnected during the outdoor retailer summer market in Salt Lake City, Utah, we had a chance to talk about some of the things that she learned and to share her new book, Coffee Story Ethiopia. I'm James Mills, and you're listening to The Joy Trip Project. You actually collected stories, so it's not just the story of coffee, it's the story of people and their coffee. What do people have to say about coffee? You know, it's interesting, when you set out to write a book about the stories behind coffee, and you think you're going to have all these thickly nuanced stories from great-great-great-grandmothers about how their great-great-grandfather told them this, that, or the other. And you get those stories, and sometimes you get people who look at you when you say, do you have any great stories about coffee? And they look at you and they say, yeah, I pick it every day and it's how I support my family. Sometimes it is just a commodity, but sometimes it is something that can dictate who you're going to marry. Where you are in your cycle of drinking three cups of coffee, 
when someone walks through your door can make them a friend or an enemy. And it was those kinds of stories that were really fascinating to me to say, what is the cultural heritage of coffee in this place? And not only the history, but how do you people interact with it day to day? What does it still mean? Like, do you still use coffee beans to create luck in your life at a place the Zege Peninsula, which is on Lake Tana. Lake Tana is very close to the source by volume of the Blue Nile. And on the Zege Peninsula, if you don't start your day with coffee, you will have bad luck at the market. Your whole family will have bad market luck for that day. So if you're in a rush and you can't have your morning coffee, and we're not talking about a drive-through morning coffee, we're talking about like an hour-long coffee ceremony in Ethiopia, then you grab a handful of beans and you suck on them as you paddle across the lake. Because if you don't do that, you're going to have bad luck. And that's still there today. I really think that a lot of us who drink coffee in the United States probably take coffee for granted. I mean, it, it's, it's part of our daily lives, it's part of our, our culture, but in Ethiopia, it goes significantly further than that. I mean, it, it's, it's really ingrained in, in everything that they do, as you just mentioned, it's 50% of their GDP. When it comes to the value of coffee as a vehicle for change, because when people think of Ethiopia, the very first thing they think about is drought, drought and poverty yeah. and war. And it's fascinating that this could be an opportunity for them to come out of that. What does coffee mean in terms of perhaps changing the perception of Ethiopia for the rest of the world? What it means and what it can mean is really what this book is about and is what my work surrounding the book is about. Because I think that if you take a crop that is everywhere in Ethiopia, that it has the genetic origins to, and then you have, so let's just talk some raw numbers, right? 10,000 varietals of coffee. 10,000 different flavors and tastes, not you know your mocha latte sort of flavor, but we're talking about flavors the way wine is, the way a cup of coffee cools and it plays on your palate differently in terms of the acidity, in the florals, the tonal notes of that cup of coffee. And so when you walk through that and you realize that people value that specificity in flavor. And what that looks like is people start paying more attention to it and they spend more money on it. And the economics are not that hard to measure once people start paying more for those highly nuanced, single origin, very specialized cups of coffee. That's where this book and understanding coffee in Ethiopia can make an economic difference. You know, there's this whole notion we have right now of go local with our food, right? Like go local, go to origin. And if you're going to really understand what going local is for coffee, you have to first go to Ethiopia. And the country that is the genetic home of coffee should get the credit it deserves. And I think that we as a global society, we're always trying, Ethiopia has captured our imagination. It did it in the 70s and the 80s about being the place we most have to help. Well, the reality is that it has what it needs to help itself right there. And I think it's going to be more effective if we say, great, coffee is here. Can we celebrate what is here and add value to it? Ethiopia coffee story. Do you have a favorite coffee story? Or perhaps is there a story that you that is most emblematic of this conversation? I think one of my favorite stories is a friend of mine, Simone Abe, who lives in Addis Ababa, who I've known for a number of years. And he came on a bunch of this trip with me and I would sit there and we would be in the, in the car all the time, and I'd say, Simone, tell me stories about coffee. Tell me stories about coffee. And in Ethiopia, coffee's called buna. Like, across all the languages, it's, it's buna. So I was like, okay, you know, where's your good buna story? And eventually, he just looked at me, and he shook his hair, head, and he said, Micah, buna was everywhere when I was growing up. He said, like, buna is what started my day. Buna was the way to create community in my family. And he grew up, his mom um, raised him by herself, him and his sister. And for Simone, coffee was this way to create 
the neighbors around them. And so his mother and some friends of theirs that lived, like, let's say, in a half a mile radius, they would rotate who had the morning coffee ceremony. And so it became this rotation in these houses where it's like Mondays, we are at we're at Rahel's house, and Tuesday we were over, you know, and to go through that, and that gave him family. And it was through that expression of having a coffee ceremony in all those places. And, you know, this is a guy who now he, you know, he lived in the States for a couple years, now he's back in Ethiopia, and to him, that's still what it is. It's like that, he, he talks about how much sugar he used to drink in, in coffee when he was a kid, because that, it, in his interpretation of coffee drinking the way he grew up there's tons of sugar there's some areas where there's no sugar whatsoever in the coffee but you know and he's like oh I when I have the sugary coffee he closed his eyes and you could just see him remember childhood and remember childhood that wasn't being raised by a single mother but being raised by this community of families that took him into their home. The book Coffee Story Ethiopia is published by 90 Plus Press and is available in hardcover. You can learn more about coffee production and its many stories online. Just visit micaburhart.com. For the Joy Trip Project, this is James Mills. Music this week by Cheryl B. Englehart. The Joy Trip Project is made possible with the support of our sponsor, Patagonia. Check out their latest new media and conservation initiatives on their blog, thecleanestline.com. Thanks for listening, but you know, we want to hear from you, so please drop us a note with your questions, comments, or criticisms to info at joytripproject.com. Until next time, take care.